When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply like to play the feminine role their favorite thing is to cook dinner and to have it be appreciated uh ambition in the career is just for like a career is a small stage of their lives what's up dog welcome back no guests today thank god huh (laughs) (laughs) tired of those guys talking to different people with different opinions than us i'm over it (laughs) let's get back into our echo chamber so we were just chatting about the failings of how to win friends and influence people yes. as prompted by what has been a string of uh, several outreaches over the past year to to us and our channel from people that we don't know particularly well uh, that have offered to spend time, hang out with us in exchange for something. Yeah. And, and it's it, no. And just to be clear, how to win friends and influence people is a great book. Yeah. But it says correctly that one of the best ways to connect with someone is to think of what you can do to bring value to their life, right? People are taking that message and they are interpreting it as I will try to hide my ask, my vampiricism under the guise of it being a gift, which is actually worse than just being honest that you're asking for a take. Mm -hmm. Because what it looks like is someone with a really small channel saying, hey, I would love if we did a video that we put on my channel and yours, and I think our audiences would love that. And it's like, no, you don't. You think it would be great if you were on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And that would be great, and I get that. But when you lie and pretend that it's good for yeah, me, yeah. it makes me like you even less than if you just came in and asked for a favor. Mm-hmm. Which makes me like you even less than if you actually took the advice from Dale Carnegie and thought, what can I do that would help Charlie and Ben? Mm-hmm. And I'll start with that, and 10 interactions later, I'll ask for my favor. Yeah, and this is not a, a call to anyone to do anything for us. This isn't a request for help. This is for those of you out there it's, thinking... It's a request to stop <laughs> making selfish requests and hiding them as gifts. Yeah, no, if, if you are trying to connect with someone, I, I've given examples, but they're worth highlighting. It's so cliched, but if you're trying to connect with someone, they're in a position of power. Of course, the natural state, the reason that you want to connect with them is to get something, right? That's why did you pick someone who was in a position of power? It's yeah, because you, you wanted to elevate your own status or reach or... You think or, they can do something for exactly. you. That's why you want to connect to them. So what you have to do is then pause and go, okay, pretend I'm not me. Uh, what could I do if this person was my spouse or friend or someone that I just wanted to do something nice for that would be of genuine benefit to them? And it can be as small as like, hey, I you know proofread some of your blog posts. Uh, I've, I've uploaded the corrected files here. I noticed seven or eight hours, which I've highlighted. If you want to take this and upload it, feel free. No pressure, right? That's, that's one simple thing that you can do. Uh, we had someone at, this is a higher 
level just of giving which was incredible but his name was dave he showed up at an event that i was at he'd actually sent me several emails of which i don't get oftentimes because we have such a strong filter of what gets to me uh asking if he could come film my speech at an event and just cut it up for me give it to me for promotional purposes didn't get back to him he was still going to the event so we still got there early hung out in my room early introduced himself as the first person that i saw knew me obviously on site and said look no pressure i've got this nice camera here this whole setup i know that there's no cameras at this event i wanted to film this for you i'm gonna get some low angles some high angles some you talking to some people no pressure i'll cut it up for you if you want to use this for promotional material and at the end of the end, I was like, dude, let's go to lunch. <laughs> Let me yeah, help yeah. you in whatever way I can because I was so blown away by the above and beyond nature of there was no ask in there. Uh, and he could have, at the end of it all, said, hey, man, I had a f- few questions. Do you have some time? And I would have been like, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that's not what often is happening. Like it, people are rattling off, like you said, uh, requests for help, slapping on a guise of this is good for you. And it winds up just being irritating. Yeah. Um, and there are people in our lives who we don't know very well, but still have that loose connection oh, with I'd where we, would, we I'd, would help. I'd absolutely get on the phone with the person to give them advice. I would absolutely get lunch with them mm-hmm. if they were in town. This is a person I, I have met. Not for years. Yeah. But I know them. And like I actually still have a fond opinion of them. Mm-hmm. But the email itself was hilarious in its clear selfishness and then poorly hidden as if it were good for me, mm-hmm. which is just an immediate, it's just worse than pure selfishness. Yep. So that's that piece <laughs> of advice. For Don't you do that. Try to actually bring value. <laughs> One thing. So somebody uh, just, I told you this texted me. We just put up our, our video on Charles Manson and mm-hmm. all these other people. And he said, love the choice center reference. <laughs> and choice center is the personal development thing I did a couple years ago. I got a lot out of it. I made a couple videos on it, but at one point in the video, I talk about, how they use the term enrollment instead mm-hmm. of sales and the second half of their program essentially maybe the second two-thirds becomes an indoctrination attempt to get you to be their unpaid sales force so that you sell your friends and family to joining the course mm-hmm. uh which is just unfortunate for them because i have spent my own money to send several people i got a lot out of it but because of this large thrust and and the faking of it you know what i mean if they would just say please we want you to sell our course it's important to us it's not for you it's for us yeah no and and if they (laughs) and it could be good for your family it's good it could be good for your family if you thought this was good we would really love it we don't do any marketing we put all of our money into making the program good so if you guys could please text one person people would yeah but instead they make they pretend it's about your personal development yeah say if you can't sell your friends into this your dreams will never come true. they call it the art of enrollment and they say all of your life and 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 there's some semantic uh trickery that's going on here all of your life is about you know it's selling yourself to a potential partner not selling enrolling them in your vision of the future where mm-hmm. you're gonna be this head of industry and your wife is going to be by your side or you're you're going to be whatever you are and you're going to get this other person to be with you this mm-hmm. is enrolling employees into your vision and so the most fundamental aspect of this section of the course is enrollment and the way which that you're going to do that is enrolling people into Choice Center because that's the most important <laughs> thing. Now, one of the things that always frustrated me about it is you basically cannot go all the way through the course and graduate without getting at least one person in. I mean, maybe someone in the history of it has, but the pressure from your team and the coach is insane. Mm-hmm. And they get you to to say that you're going to hit, I'm going to sell five people. And this is a $2,000 plus dollar thing. This mm-hmm. is not small. 
into this and then they hound you for it. Similarly, you also make statements about, you know, I'm going to lose I'm going to lose this weight. You know, I've been trying to lose this weight for a long time. I'm unhealthy uh, or I'm going to make this this movement on my business. Yeah, and you my choice center brothers and sisters, I want to enroll you <laughs> yeah, in my vision yeah, of losing yeah. weight. And they don't hound you about it. As they much. don't that is so much more lax in understanding. Yeah. And and it is always frustrating to me not that they're bad people, that there are people who graduate who are in very unhealthy weight situations that walked in and walked out at the same unhealthy station like six months later or yes something. but they made sure that they got someone else to sign up yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy well landmark does this too landmark, well, it just shows that they don't care about you and your health <laughs> landmark has a graduation ceremony and i didn't realize at the time they're like you know you bring bring whoever bring your family the more the merrier these these are people that are going to see you stand up for your truth yeah it's like oh great i'll get to stand up and say what i'm going to change about myself while yeah. these people are there to support me the entire graduation ceremony is a massive sales pitch it is a pressure cooker of peer pressure and scarce fake scarcity to try to get the people that are there to support you to sign up for landmark yeah and they do not tell you that ahead of time yeah like i, I regretted bringing someone it's unfortunate because i i, I like landmark when i left this no i was me. really i was very disappointed when <laughs> yeah. i when i was there i was like i'm very uncomfortable and I wish I hadn't come and I wish I hadn't brought someone, which is a bummer because prior to right now, I liked this program. Mm -hmm. It's similar. I think it's day four of Unleash the Power with Tony Robbins where there's a multi-hour. Oh, the upsell day? Upsell. Yeah. yeah. Upsell day, right? <laughs> where he, he wants you to come to Day with Destiny. And I understand this one is so good. But yeah, it's it's these there's clearly a line of i think it's totally cool to offer and sell and we do it at the end of our videos here's you know 10 minutes of content here and two minutes of of by charisma university and by the way it's a video you can click off you know this is not a seminar that you are oh, stuck if, in and beholden to well, if you're not interested in our course if landmark had said thanks for going through the program tomorrow we do a thing we do this at the end of every seminar we're trying to get new people we don't market if you could come and bring people you think the program yeah. would help it's going to be the first half of the day is going to be free content for them, life-changing no matter what. The second half of the day is going to be trying to sell them to come to the weekend you just did. Yeah. Do you want to bring people? That would still work. And I would still don't, bring people. They don't yeah. have to say, this is a graduation ceremony. Mm -hmm. it's, they don't mention the sale. They lie. You know what I'm saying? We say we are trying to get you into Charisma University. Here's testimonials for Charisma University. If you want to learn more, here's a sales page with more information about Charisma University. Mm -hmm. They could do that. They could say the day's one half great free content one half getting them to do the program you just did did you like this program yes okay worst case scenario three hours of great free content for them best case scenario they join you can get just as much money through honesty that's that's the thing i don't know if you can get just as much honestly okay fine you can, get, you can do it you can be profitable and transparent and transparent yeah. absolutely absolutely i don't think you can get just as much i don't know <laughs> i think you can squeeze more out of people because we've talked about the pressure that i that they put on people in these events and uh you and i are highly stubborn highly individualistic resistant to that kind of pressure and aware of it such that it rubs us the wrong way but for most people the pressure does have its intended effect yeah, yeah. uh and it's a bummer. <laughs> Why you need to buy Charisma University? Get that unshakable confidence, you know? Can you imagine holding an event and then spending the last... And here's what I would do. I'd be like, guys, we're wrapping. It's done. I'm going to tell you now about this. If you don't want to hear it, 
feel free to walk out you yeah. know like here's what we've got next for those of you who want more stick around for everyone else i don't know why yeah i would have to like it would yeah. feel it would feel weird to do the the hidden upsell to me yeah yeah i agree so other things i haven't been writing down a, a ton but there was a handful of things that, that i got short and sweet baby yeah so there was i i got this through a weird reddit hole <laughs> excellent excellent it was on the front page there was a quarantine of mgtow on reddit which is men going their own way and mm-hmm. a quarantine on reddit means essentially that they don't let you enter the subreddit unless you say you want to see objectionable content and are logged in which is oh you have to have an account which is that blocks 99 percent yeah, of yeah. people on reddit right there off the bat uh so nobody's going to stumble upon this yeah. at, at this point at all uh and in the comments discussing the quarantine was you know why is this allowed while red pill women is still existent i was like oh red pill women we've talked about the red pill like i didn't even know there let's was go a to red, red pill, pill women, women. Yeah. so i went there it's not huge it's forty thousand people that's not a very big reddit community uh but i had no idea it existed it is women who subscribe i think to the same basic view of uh intersexual dynamics the way that uh, the red pill men perceive, well, I don't know, because what the, the criticism levied at red pill men is that they're misogynistic. And I presume that these women <laughs> aren't all women haters. But what seemed to be the common thread is that they really wanted a husband and they wanted a traditional role in the household. Like they, yeah. they refer to their man as their captain. So, so pretend I had never heard of the red pill, yeah. right? Give me the, the 30 second ethos of red pill women. Forget red pill men. Okay. Red pill yeah, women. Yeah. With, with the red pill what men is to the, the side. 30 second. Traditional gender roles, 1950s household as uh, portrayed in Leave it to Beaver, with, which is typically stay-at-home mom who is soft, understanding, supportive, and not a leader, like not a, an equal egalitarian. I don't know if egalitarian is the right word. Not the same as the man. They call the man in their life their captain, and so they're, they're not- so happy when they find a captain, and they try to encourage the men in their life to take command there's literally a uh, a part of it that is called stfu which is about stfuing <laughs> for the decisions that are small yeah. and just letting him take the lead and it's women for those that who, don't know that means shut the fuck up <laughs> it's women who want to and i'm not laughing at them and i'm not saying this is amazing or anything i just I, that this community just exists, exists was was so surprising to me that are trying to figure out how to get their man to take more of the lead and if this is the right guy that can be their captain and uh marriage is is huge on on all of their is it a, priorities is it a subreddit that's designed around tactics for finding that person or is it more just success stories and and complaining it's when you about don't? no no it's not complaining it's honestly this was one of the most remarkable things about it is that it reminded me of men in their analytical attitude towards dating which quite frankly i don't often see in the women in my life for and is it a how-to it's someone being like here's how i found my captain here's the 10 there's this whole thing on vetting and looking for red flags and this sort of a thing how you know if this guy's uh as soon as he indicates that he's not interested in marriage i was gonna say and according to red pill women if he doesn't send you enough messages on tinder before asking for a date if he's not willing to invest in you prior towards so your their advice would be bail if he's not willing to commit and if he's not decisive bail if he's wishy-washy bail if he will not see you exclusively yes and and beyond that they there's actually on the sidebar there's a thing that says no feminism 
which I don't know what part of feminism, but I believe they're talking about the idea that uh, women should be sexually liberated in the sense that it is an empowering thing to spend a period of your life not not in a monogamous relationship, feeling like you can sleep around and like that does not diminish you. They they are judgmental of that and say anyone who tells you to do that is not looking out for you. If you think that you're in your you know, 24, 25 years old and you're not looking for a husband right now because you've got time, you're you're totally out of your mind or not out of your mind. Like we think that you're those wrong. people are out yeah. of our mind. Not you're wrong. That's, that's not a good strategy for what we're looking for. Uh, and it, it, they actually don't seem quite proselytizing. They don't seem interested in telling other people what to do, but within their own community of like getting the right husband if is If you is identify paramount. as a red pill woman yeah. and you have these goals, this is not going to work for you. Don't do this strategy. Yeah. So it's interesting. And they're, and they're, uh, they did not like the Super Bowl halftime show. I don't know. I didn't see the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show. I don't really have. I'd love to get get to get a woman on here to talk about to see a what the reaction is. Or a red Pull woman or any. No, uh, no. We want an RPW. <laughs> we want an if RPW. anyone listening is as a self-identified RPW, you'd heard of the subreddit prior to this podcast and were subscribed. We want you to call in, please. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. And and I, I you know, I'm smiling not because I think that it's right or wrong, but because I was so shocked that that it existed out yeah. there that there was a section of women that were no feminist yeah yeah listen women. i've never been a woman i might be a bra yeah. burning feminist i might be an rpw <laughs> i want to talk i want to hear i want to hear what it's like what do you think you would be i mean obviously probably you a, would... probably a giant bra burning feminist. <laughs> just based on my mom and my sister are, are like super or they're into feminism and and very liberal and yeah my sister volunteers at planned parenthood and yeah i'm sure i would i'm, I'm a big fan of the nurture theory so i'm sure i'd be right in line with that got it got it you want to go black sheep of the family and no no man be tie-dyed shirts and going out to volunteer planned parenthood i'm sure got it just be my sister got it 35 years old single loving it no she's engaged man oh no i'm saying you oh no i'd be married by now yeah yeah probably would have gotten engaged at 28 i just assume i would be my sister got it got it so yeah that was it was just an interesting thing to find and i started to to dig into the uh the subculture and then that brought me to the feminist thing and then there's the the TERFs which some people are going to know what this means it's trans exclusive radical feminists which are then women who do not want to include transgender men to women in their uh, agenda or whatever Mm. it is Uh, I was just and why? Because these, so they, they, well, actually, they don't identify themselves as TERFs. I think other people, sorry if I screw this up. I think other people call them TERFs. They call them radical feminists, like the people who support uh, transgender men to women being just grouped in with women, all of these things. And what they say is the, these particular women who are referred to as TERFs, but probably refer to themselves as something else, say that this is a case of men invading women's space and, and dictating uh, women's stuff and all this kind of thing. And it just made me realize how fragmented and even within groups that you would assume had similar goals, right? Like you would assume feminist yeah. tra- and trans for whatever reason, I just thought that they would be on the same side. Uh, there's just such infighting and and fractional like kinship groups going on where you don't support what I like. It. Uh, it it's a big country <laughs> with yeah, yeah. a lot of different people that don't all agree with one another. And it's kind of crazy that we get one president 
a hundred senators, four hundred thirty-five congressmen to to even begin to represent it. Yeah. So that was all that I was like, dude, this is. There are so many little groups out there that, and they all kind of hate the other one. I told you I went out with a I went out with a girl that sounded like she was a RPW. Yeah. Did I tell you this? She, no. she was this very very alpha aggressive like. She cursed a lot. She talked very loudly. She was making a lot of money at her company. And we were talking about dating. She's like, yeah, what I want is a guy who will make every decision for me. Tell me what to wear. Tell me what food to order. Take my food if he wants it from me. In in bed tells me, like, just I want to come home from work and not have a thought and just do what I'm told. Mm -hmm. That was her ideal relationship. But she... You said she was alpha in the sense at, at in the office? In yes. The, okay. At work. She's hard charging. I'm the best at what I do. I mean, honestly, to the, this is what rubbed me the wrong way to the point where she's like, everyone else is inferior. Everyone else is an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, I am just great at this and I'm making it rain over here. She was, she was super, very high opinion of herself, very mm-hmm. low opinion of her coworkers. And then wanted to come home and turn all that off, basically. Mm-hmm. And just... She was looking for... She's like, I'm alpha and I want a guy who's super alpha, who then out-alphas me and tells me what to do. And what was your reaction, Ben? <laughs> uh, it sounded like a lot of work. And also, I was, I was turned off by her talking about her how alpha she was. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. It's weird stuff. She's just like really loud, swore a lot, was just telling me how great she was. Yeah, it was yeah, very yeah. tell-don't-show. And Which is weird because what you're describing, she's like, no, I I want to be submissive and I want someone to tell me what to do. I'm sure she <laughs> would have, dude. I mean, based on, she, she hit me up afterwards. I'm, I do believe that that's what she thinks she wants. And that's, yeah, yeah. I do believe that's what she is looking for. Well, but without, I, I would like someone who's just less like aggressive and abrasive in gen- like when out in the world. Yeah, Even yeah. if you're going to do everything I tell you and be super submissive to me. And then I introduce you to my friends or my family and you're this aggressive super abrasive yeah, yeah i don't know it, well you also said and i think you believe as i do like what you're describing i make every decision for you at in some like naive pubescent thing it's like oh power control that's so exciting but what a lot of work yeah yeah, yeah. i don't <laughs> like, need that i gotta I worry about homework what i'm gonna eat what i'm gonna wear i, I decide to... <laughs> what i'm gonna wear eight seconds before i get dressed now i gotta know what's in your closet and like schedule and i gotta outfits. like make it sexy for you when i tell you like i give a shit yeah yeah if, <laughs> I, if someone did force that upon me 90 percent of my instructions would be my my i command that you make your own decision i command <laughs> i command that you leave me out of this i command that you take a deep breath and think what would you like to do uh, just and <laughs> command that you never make me memorize your outfits no it's that's not for me and i have no judgment on it actually yeah dude i, I encourage her to likes. go find what makes her happy but no absolutely and i think that there's... wasn't the deal breaker even I, i'm like all right yeah i'll try it was the deal breaker was just the other parts of her personality interesting both of them for me would be difficult and i i'll give it the college try Never i did i kind of did in previous not even in previous and in, in the relationships i mean you know that i've had lately i tend to date women who while not 1950s household, honestly, I take that back. They like to play the feminine role. Their favorite thing is to cook dinner and to have it be appreciated. Uh, ambition in the career is just for like a career is a small stage of their lives on the path to motherhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And uh, what I've experienced in that is I definitely enjoy that. But what I don't like is constantly being what well you tell me what to do what do you th- it's like i don't think about your life as often as you ought to yeah, <laughs> i yeah, have yeah. opinions about some of it and there are definitely some things where i can make a call for both of us and it, and we can you know i'll play captain yeah. but i don't want 
that responsibility well, all the time. My my mom has always said to me that uh, no one no one can make you happy but yourself. And the flip side of that is that you cannot make someone else happy. You can mm-hmm. contribute to their happiness. But yeah, for someone to outsource completely their happiness to you is a very daunting task because yeah. it's a full-time job. That mm-hmm. person's going to be awake 16 hours a day. And now you're responsible for all the decisions they make in that day. Mm-hmm. just seems hard to do while running a business and trying to live your own life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens when I go surfing for three hours? You just have to sit down. <laughs> like, my, my phone's gone. You can't ask me questions. Well, I looked it up because I, 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 I explored this and I was like, what is this? And there, no judgment. Forever wants this, go do no, it. No, no, no. I, I, w- I mean, I really, really hope that she finds someone who is exactly what she's looking for and it makes her happy. Well, I think I, often we find yeah. what we're looking for and it doesn't make us happy, but I'm rooting for her. I just opted out. Yeah. I, in, in exploring it, what I found is that these types of couples often have ground rules, which will be some sort of uh, not exactly the same, but it was it was mimicked in Fifty Shades of Grey, the contract that you write out that lays out ground rules and very consistent and constant communication via text, which to me is the worst thing that I could ever imagine. Like, I don't even particularly like to talk on the phone. What I say is save the story for when we're in person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so explored it for a period of time and very quickly was just like this is not for me i'm so laid back in terms of most decisions that one makes during their day hair like this hair like this yeah yeah. uh this or that for a snack i I don't care (laughs) you know yeah and uh didn't work for me no i mean honestly like it's the for me it's not even the most important thing the most important Mm -hmm. thing was that the time we hung out i didn't smile or laugh as much as I yeah, wanted. Yeah. And so it's it's like, this isn't even the most important thing to me. I just want you to be a positive person who, when I'm having a down day, makes my life better. Like, yeah. The good news is the fact that there are so many different types and we talked about, you know, there's there's transgenders and there's the, the radical the feminist or that she doesn't think she's a radical feminist who wants this. And there's the girl who is an alpha at work and wants to be, there's so many different types that it just underscores the importance of finding a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of- no, we talked about this at dinner. We can bring it up. That, that There's so many people with different wants, different looks, different ideas of what's sexy. Mm-hmm. There, There's a million options. So you can find what you're looking for if you just filter for it. Mm-hmm. I think where people screw up is they get scared. And so they stop filtering for what they actually want. And they just go, oh, I'll go for what's available. Mm-hmm. And then that's a recipe for being unhappy. Yeah. And I think the other thing that can happen is you don't know what you want <laughs> when yeah. you're starting i was like okay i'll try making every decision and it didn't take long for me to figure out oh experientially this is terrible this is I, exhausting. Don't, I don't want to do this anymore but of course when you're a bit younger if you haven't had the dating experience uh y- there's a part of you that just wants to please the other person so if i'd entered into this kind of a relationship very early i probably would have stuck with it for much longer just because i thought that my decision making was making my girlfriend really happy yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to recognizing nah this is just an added degree of stress that yeah. I don't need. Can I a transition to yeah. one of the things a, I got written? A, Amy. So this is so this was going to be another episode of Don't Trust What You Read on the Internet, mm-hmm. but it ties into what we're talking about very nicely. So there was this article on the internet. I'm going to read it so I get the title right. Plus-sized women admit they aren't attracted to overweight men. Mm-hmm. And it was on Reddit, and it hit the front page, and everyone's, this is outrageous. And I was like, oh, let me look into this study that they're quoting. Yeah, yeah. And the study, it was... <laughs> Uh, an actual news article that quoted eight tumblr posts that was their source so you know those tumblr posts it's an image and well, then it's who, a thing. who is the article who wrote the headline well there was like six of them it, it kind of made the round so i don't i don't know who started it but it's probably uh, inev- yeah it wasn't finish CNN, your point finish but, your point but it was it made the rounds it made reddit front page right and 
it was because eight women in the world of seven billion <laughs> had made these anonymous imagery posts with the text of like i'm a chubby woman but i don't like chubby men i'm ashamed to admit it but it's true or like just because you're overweight doesn't mean you have to like overweight people like i don't and i i get upset when people set me up and so first of all it's just amazing that you could have on the internet these multiple articles with that headline based on eight anonymous posts but the reason it's in a transition to what we're talking about the comment section was then a bunch of people being like, I am an overweight woman and I would bang the shit out of an overweight guy. I don't know <laughs> what they're talking about. Just over and over, like chubby girl here, down for chubby guy. Just hundreds of them. You know what I mean? So this article had eight sources. The, their comment section had hundreds or thousands of yeah, them. Yeah. And I just thought it was great because it, again, it does come to the thing of you could, you could be a guy and see that article and be to- so disheartened of like, oh, nobody wants me. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. Yeah. That this, then it was chubby guys talking about how they like chubby girls, chubby women talking about how they like chubby, skinny people saying they like chubby. Just the section was just all these people raising their hands saying, I'm down for. I just want to get weird with somebody. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm down to get weird. <laughs> and it was great. And it, and it, t- it ties into what we we're just talking about really well, I think, which is that, yeah, these, this is just the opinion of eight women. Even if it weren't, I mean, there's a couple of things I saw. I did see this. So the one complaint was that, at least in the title, and who knows if it was written by yeah, any plus sort of sized women and the overweight women, men. The women were labeled plus size, and the men were labeled overweight. Yes. Um, so that's that's one potentially reasonable complaint. But also, if it's coming just from... just one person wrote it though, and it's clickbait. It's exactly. Just meant, it's just meant to inflame you. It's meant to get to the front page of Reddit. Exactly. And uh, the other thing is also, who cares? Like people, I think need to be able to discriminate completely who they are attracted to and and justify to no one now if your whatever you are makes you have a pool of no one else who you're interested that is reciprocating your interest fine that's your own problem but assume that every woman in america that was in a certain group was uninterested in every man in a certain group that is absolutely their prerogative sure and that's a lot of these well i don't know but a lot but some of the eight posts that's what they were saying they're saying and when I'm, i say discrimination i have to say this. i'm not talking about job discrimination i'm not talking about racial slurs i'm talking about who you want to get naked with yeah. and, like, no, and the, so the, the one of the posts i know said you know i'm an overweight woman and i'm not attracted to overweight men and that's why i'm i sleep with no one and she was basically saying no one i'm attracted to is attracted to me and it's like okay well you have two options you can try to change who you're attracted to you can keep searching for what you're doing or you can be single and not have sex which is totally like mm-hmm. that's your call and she opted for the not having sex thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. People are allowed to have sex or not have sex or do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. But I just wanted to put it into another episode of don't trust <laughs> what you read on the internet because it was hilarious how Mostly. quickly people were just like, this isn't true. Well, even even I think the people, most people who go to Reddit understand this is just headlines and, and the most inflamed reaction to the headline is the top comment. Or sometimes it's the funniest that'll meme. Often the funniest. Yeah. But I actually disagree. I think people do see that stuff on the internet and get disheartened because they do think it's based on... Because what I read didn't quote the Tumblr thing. What I read quoted another article that quoted another article. It was only through clicking through links that I eventually got to my source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was hilariously non-existent. But I think people do read things and then think that they're true. Sure. Well, I mentioned this. I watched a video by a YouTuber called ContraPoints. Really interesting setup. It's a male to female transgender youtuber who i believe had a phd i don't know in what and makes pretty sophisticated videos 20 to 30 plus minutes on these sorts of topics and one of the topics was on incels but it dives into the psychological reason that people 
believe this stuff, that people are more prone, or many of us are more prone to believe that the worst case scenario is true, such as I'll never find love, nobody likes me, which is rife on these incel message boards, as opposed to paying, big, t- paying attention to all the people commenting, saying, oh, I'm in. Yeah. That, that information might go in one ear and out the exactly. other. Oh, that, they don't mean it. And, and I think this is very common. And talking about how on the internet, it's almost a form of self-harm to, for instance, go to our roast me mm-hmm. and post your photo and say, do your worst and to read the worst things that you possibly could about yourself. <laughs> You're saying it's like the same reason people will do cutting. It because you get a rush out of the pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or at least that's what this this person was was suggesting. Uh, as someone who in they say I used to do this. I used to go to these trans message boards as I was transitioning, post photos of myself knowing that the culture on these message boards was to say you couldn't pass in a million years. You're too tall, your bones are shaped like this, you've got man hands like whatever it is. And I knew that's what was going to come back, mm-hmm. and I kept doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And it's because some and the suggestion that that uh, they wind up giving is that some part of you knows that to be true deep oh, of down. Of course, yeah, like, we all have. It, and you just need to hear it echoed in the world so that it's oh, that's true. It's not like it's not this deep seed inside of me that feels unlovable. It's yeah. everyone else has told me. That, I'm not insecure because I'm crazy. I'm insecure because yeah. I should be. Yes, yes. And weirdly enough, what it does is add support to the completely unsupported notion that you're not worthy of which love. of yeah. love, which comes from within. Uh, which I thought was really interesting, and perhaps the only way to unwind that is then through tons of therapy or psychedelics or something like that. But uh, step one, this person suggests, is like, you just got to shut this stuff down. You yeah, cannot, yeah. you, you, in the same way that an addict continues to abuse alcohol, even though it destroys their life, you just have to cold turkey these types of activities. You're an incel. Yeah. Stop going to our incel. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you still may remain celibate, but at least you, you won't, won't be getting that messaging much, yeah. that this is, this is forever and ever. And the only way to be happy is to break this unendable cycle, uh, so I, it's interesting. I'm going to watch more more videos because I think they they do a very good job on it. Here's something that I've spent all my time on in the last three two three days, and I've talked to you, which is video games. Okay, not just video games, making video games. Okay, so I've probably watched six hours of video game developer stuff <laughs> at this point, and. There, and when I was little, I always thought that I was going to be someone who made video games. I was, what are you going to do when you go? I'm going to make video games. And then you get older and you don't know a single person who works at Sony or Nintendo. They're all in Japan anyway. It's not a viable career path. And I kind of forgot about it. And then recently we started playing video games. And while the Super Bowl was on, it really kind of solidified to me that as the world gets more affluent, and scarcity in terms of what am I going to eat, where am I going to sleep, becomes less of a thing. Still a massive thing in the developing world and even in parts of America. But if you believe Peter Diamandis, we're going to live in a post-scarcity world sooner and sooner for more and more people. Yeah, people won't have to spend all their time trying to get survival resources. And that's certainly been the direction of the last, I mean, human history, but certainly the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. For all of human history... When people have a chance, they play games, right? Mm -hmm. The Mayans played games. Everybody played games. And they tell stories. These are the two things that they do. And when I look back on what that was for me, it was video games, man. Video games is a game and a story, if you get a good one, wrapped up together. And the other thing that I've seen is all of the games that have been massive hits lately Mm -hmm. are almost analytical Frankenstein hodgepodges of previous things. So if you look at... 
uh, Fortnite, it took what PUBG was doing and added what Minecraft had, which is like, you know, you're building this massive thing. It became the biggest game in the world. And then Apex Legends took what Fortnite did and added co-op and heroes into the game. So if you don't know what these terms mean, the only point is that they look almost as if they're being designed by someone who could do a charisma breakdown <laughs> in the sense that they're seeing what are the principal components of these successful games. Yeah, what is making this successful? And then they're just going, <clears throat> oh, well, what if we took this one, number one, number three, and number seven, and poof, that's a game right there. Yep. Uh, additionally, you have this influx of these indie developers. So one of the biggest games of the year, I mentioned it on the podcast, was called Disco Elysium, which is essentially uh, a choose-your-own-adventure detective novel. And I dug into it, and what it is, the number one resource that the developer, or the number one inspiration that the developers list is a game from 20 years ago called Planescape Torment, which I loved at the time, and is the precursor to that. It's this, it's given the technology that they had, this novel-esque game, and what was interesting is 20 years later, Disco Elysium is hailed as the most innovative groundbreaking game It never happened. But really, it's just a fresh... No, I don't want to say it's a fresh coat of paint. It's a fresh take on something that had existed before. Sure. And I have not played the game, but correct me if I'm wrong. It's more of a story, a choose-your-own-adventure story than it is a game. It's not like a first-person shooter where you're controlling. You're just clicking. And I don't mean just to diminish it, but (laughs) you are just basically having an interesting movie unravel to you, but you get to participate instead of just sitting there you participate heavily you you dictate the course of it you're a detective trying to solve a murder yeah, but and it hits all the same emotional triggers that one would go to the movies for in terms of story story yes but also uh the interactivity of a game that that's why it's so good because if i wouldn't want to just watch disco elysium i like to play it i mm-hmm. want you want to pick what kind of cop you're going to be and just for broad things you can shake people down and threaten them you can go crazy and just say random shit and terrify them or you can go by the book and you know try to conduct an investigation to figure out who killed this person mm-hmm. uh and of course there's there's a hundred other things you can do uh but what's interesting is I was looking at this and the, their game. In both games, you play a character that wakes up, can't remember their past, has to reconstitute things, finds out that they have a horrible, sordid past. And it's just like, I was like, oh, my God, they just did this game, except they made the monster a cop. And it's, it's incredible. So what you're saying is you're going to do a charisma breakdown of video games. Yes. And you're going to make the world's greatest. Not that I'm going to make it, but I think that, weirdly enough, I thought that my skill set... Should we announce a Kickstarter? <laughs> That's why we need you to join our Patreon, which we I, don't have. <laughs> I thought that my skill set at 32 years old completely precluded me from ever participating in the video game industry. Because you can't code. Yes. What I realize is that there is a title of a game designer, which I don't have everything, but they are kind of like, what are the three things this game needs to succeed? And these are the people who are doing market analysis. Mm -hmm. They're comparing to what's already out there. They're looking at the units sold on Steam and comparing it to what we could do. And I'm like, that Yeah, you're saying you you can go to someone that can't code and go, listen... What you need is someone with a tweaky inability to turn their brain off despite meditating and doing drugs. And that's me. (laughs) And I can't help but analyze things. And I'm going to use my powers for good. Exactly. And uh, I have a deep knowledge of of (laughs) what was hugely niche popular 30 years ago. And I would have said this game Planescape if it just hadn't been completely redone in in Disco Elysium. Uh, But I've got three others that haven't been updated. So maybe in the future, I don't know if you're interested, in addition to music and psychedelics, I I like this idea of video games. Sure. Uh, So, Well, the one thing I think, I think this is, the one thing I like about this the most, which I think is true, is throughout human history, people have wanted to play games 
and they've and they've wanted to hear stories yeah and for stories i'm positive that many evolutionary psychologists think it's a very important part of what makes a human it's what allowed religion to exist it's what allowed us to actually beat uh the neanderthals if people don't know is we could band together neanderthals could only have a tribe of up to a certain amount and then because they couldn't tell story they couldn't really unite themselves so we just by being weaker just mowed them down one at a time in their small packs and that was through our ability to unite via story i think there's probably a similar mechanic for games because you look through and you just see them played throughout time when given time humans do not naturally just sit down and do nothing they don't just enter blissful meditation yeah. they get a ball or a stick yeah. whatever it is and so if you can make a game that has an amazing story you are hitting on two things that seem to be hardwired into humans and there's there's no reason to think that that won't continue to exist in some form forever right because we often talk about youtube can't be around forever vr is coming online courses can't be around forever something will replace it story and games in some form seems like it's just part of being human yeah and and they update but people still play tetris it's the number one selling game of all time it's oh yeah, tetris. yeah words with friends on mobile yeah it's just scrabble it's been around for decades. And so, of course, games games in their in a single iteration of a game probably won't last forever, but they've got a long lifespan if they're done well. I mean, settler, board games are incredibly popular today, and really what they're doing oftentimes is taking board games, porting them onto a video game, like we talked about this. There's Risk, which everybody's familiar with, but there's this Total War series, mm-hmm. which is essentially what you thought of in your brain when you were playing Risk and you were imagining those tiny little pieces banging into each other. You get to see it in, in, a, in yeah. a more uh, visually, what is the word, true form. No, and I think, I think there's an, this is another area where the stigma is going away. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I loved video games when I was a kid, right, when I was younger. But then at some point when I was in my 20s, it's like, this is a waste of time. These are stupid. Yeah. I shouldn't do these. What I should do is play basketball because that's a lot less stupid because it's not on a screen, right? That's, that's how I felt. I think that's going away. I think as you see people becoming millionaires playing video games, as people grow up having always had them, like my parents didn't have them. So when they see them, it's a strange thing. But when you're, you're 18 now, you've had them from the day you were born and you were growing up on an iPad even maybe. <laughs> like That's how your parents parented. So I think the stigma is going away too, which means it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. The other thing that I didn't realize, I was watching some of the games that I loved and I don't know which came first, my interest in philosophy or if games made me interested, but I wasn't aware at the time. All of the games that I was really into had philosophical underpinnings. So is this one game, do you ever play Xenogears? No. Okay, so this was these are my nerdy Japanese games. I was just going to say, nerd. <laughs> uh, no, dude, I was playing Madden. No. <laughs> it's got, and I didn't know it at the time, I was whatever, 10. It's got, the, the main character has an alter ego called Id. And it's destructive and all of these things. There are several characters in the game named after psychotherapists who are not prominent enough for me to have read at 32 years old. But I understand some of their philosophy from having played this game. The guy's name is Lacan. I've never read him, but it's like I know a little bit about this idea that you repeat throughout history and all these different things. So I wasn't realizing that I was getting doses of philosophy as a kid. And, you know, this game Xenogears is essentially talking about how, as a child, what you discover is that you had this traumatic event, you fractured into these different things, and all of these different pieces of yourself kind of get 
embodied Mm -hmm. and so one of them is when stuff goes really bad all of a sudden id shows up and it starts killing and murdering everything uh so without ever having read freud or totally understood it i was fascinated in these ideas and the game culminates in being able to pull those all together and then you get this upgrade and your guy gets super armor and he becomes super cool because he's integrated because he's integrated integrated. (laughs) right and they've also done studies on how certain video games will help you as a child with your spatial relations with your problem solving like that they're they're certainly they're not the mindless bubblegum for the brain that I was uh, raised thinking that they were. Yeah. So uh, the idea that you could create two things, and, and some the best games have it. There's, there's the small loop and there's the big loop. The big mm-hmm. loop is the story. The small loop is the gameplay, the fight, mm-hmm. the whatever. And oftentimes you'll have games that have one but not the other. So you find yourself slogging through gameplay that is really boring because the overarching story is fascinating. Sure. Or there's another game where it's like, oh, the battles are really interesting, but like, what am I doing? I'm just getting more points and like, I don't care about the overarching narrative of this. Yeah. But when you get both of those, you have a piece of art. Yeah. You have Final something... Fantasy VII, man. <laughs> when, the, when she dies, spoiler, someone dies. <laughs> Devastating for me. I was 12 or something. And a tear came to my eye as this pixelated character fell to her death. Yeah. And I think what I didn't totally grasp at the time and the reason that i thought that video games were lame is because there are so many mobile games being a great example that only have the small loop but don't have the big loop Mm -hmm. it's just this addictive cycle of coins to more coins to kill this guy to bigger numbers and there's no overarching story no message nothing but the mindless small loop uh, and it was those types of games that made me think, I can't continue to play this. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was the repetitive nature of StarCraft Online, which was over and over and over and over again, the same sort of fights, the same sort of thing that made me go, I can't do this. But the main game of that and many other ones are satisfying, potentially enriching stories that sure. are also engaging and fun to play. And the, so, The Witcher video game is an incredible story that's just as good as the books. Mm-hmm. Some people think better than the books. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, so I'm just I was in, in reviewing some of these and thinking about it. I was recognizing that I had been very critical on the decisions that I made when I was younger without appreciating what I was given because I was like, I wasted 50 hours playing this, this game is our version <laughs> of studying calligraphy. OK, <laughs> Apple was only successful because Steve Jobs studied calligraphy back when we were losers and we were hanging out alone playing video games back when it was actually <laughs> Our calligraphy. Not like last night when we were in separate rooms on walkie-talkies. <laughs> well, that, I don't think we're learning as much, but I'm saying it's our... So we, recently we've been playing Apex Legends. Now there's a third thing that I haven't brought up. There's, there's single-player games which have a small loop and a big loop, and you ideally want both. But then there's these... That's when you're playing against a computer. It doesn't feel good to just beat the computer and have the best SimCity at the end of the day and go, what was this for? But when you're playing with some other human... There's this cooperative element that keeps games fresh for so long. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we are playing this Apex Legends game together on the same team, screaming at each other, uh, makes it have something else that is that is yeah. addictive. And uh, I don't know if it's good for our relationship or good for us. It's good for us. I like to stay in the background. It's a three-player game. And so you and your brother really just come into full brother mode. It's It's like any other activity with you guys. It's just... I just sit back and I let you guys tear each other apart while I quietly try to have fun. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> this isn't fun. There's no crying in baseball. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so that's what I've been up to. I've been I've been reading a lot about this. I, if you can't tell, 
I actually think the next video on Dave Chappelle is solid. It's good. But I'm feeling like I've said a lot of what I have to say with regards to charisma and that sort of stuff. I'm going to keep making for the channel, but we've been looking for someone else. I'm going to slow down. If you've been watching the main channel, you can tell I've taken weeks off. Uh, there's something else that needs to open up for us and our business and for me and my life. And I don't know if it's going to be video games or music or psychedelics next, but I'm very much like... A video game you can only play on psychedelics. <laughs> it's just you hold a controller. Nothing's actually on the screen. You just play in your brain. <laughs> it's a music simulator. Yeah. yeah. So so this is what I've been spending a lot of time thinking on. But Dave Chappelle's good. All right. I think it came out solid. And if you guys have any good breakdown suggestions i have some but quite frankly i've done a lot of also the big ones good would be this person is very genuinely charismatic not Mm -hmm. just someone that you are a fan of but also someone that's popular Mm -hmm. because sometimes people will ask us oh will you please do this obscure person they're so charismatic and uh, unless there's something incredibly unique to be learned the rest of the audience might not want to see that which is unfortunate because i i've done this in the past we've made smaller people that i thought this guy's got something interesting to say or this this woman is particularly interesting and it gets seen by a fifth as many yeah. people which is it's ultimately a bummer but i'd rather think, make one on keanu yeah. and, and and get seen by much much larger audience but if you think there is someone who's popular and genuinely charismatic let us know yep cool anything else yeah so we're we're already rocking on an hour i have more stuff but it's not time sensitive go ahead Should go ahead go? yeah yeah we can cut we can cut stuff all right so this one is something i was thinking about in uh in because of Kobe Bryant's unfortunate death. So Kobe Bryant, for anyone who doesn't know, died in a helicopter Everybody accident. Knows, yeah. Yep. Super sad. Same way my uncle passed away. It's very tragic. The one thing I thought was interesting that stood out to me, other than the terrible news coverage, which I don't want to talk about <laughs> unless you want to talk about it, but the fact that so many people were crying because yeah. of it. I read Reddit NBA every day. I just love the NBA. And so many people who have never met Kobe Bryant have no personal experience with him were so devastated to the point of crying and it's interesting because i i suspect that for a lot of these people if a neighbor had passed away in the exact same way they Two would, doors over, they would yeah. not have cried someone that they have met and shook hands with and they see let's say once a week for years and they die in the exact same tragic way of, mo- of a helicopter accident i don't think that they would have cried certainly not all of them and it made me think of the rock because the rock does a skit where he surprises people who aren't expecting him and one of the people he surprises is a guy with the rock tattoo. And the guy is an adult, 30-something years old, seems like a regular, you know, masculine man. And he immediately starts to cry. He's so overwhelmed with emotions. And it w- made me think that, at least in the U.S., we have a bit of an odd culture where people feel raised by their celebrities. They've, they've, the celebrity goes beyond just a famous person who's good at basketball or good at wrestling to a person that is idolized and then even beyond someone who's idolized a parental figure almost you know mm-hmm. and, and all these people in the reddit nba were saying i can't believe he's gone i looked up to him so much i learned so much from him and it's just interesting because i feel like simultaneously we're losing community because like i mm-hmm. said you there would be much you wouldn't necessarily cry if it were a neighbor and i don't really have a takeaway but that was just something i noticed that i thought was really interesting yeah well so, i mean i know that you can't make this but how close do you think Kobe Bryant is in the in the family unit? Well, it's tough to do. Take the average Kobe Bryant fan, and this is someone who likes basketball, who likes Kobe Bryant, not mm-hmm. somebody who's heard of Kobe Bryant. Where does he fit in the family unit? Do you think? Do you think he's a cousin, a second uncle? Do no you father. Think, 
I'm, that, this is not the average Kobe Bryant fan. Oh, oh, sorry. That's that's the you're most die the most diehard Kobe yeah, 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 Bryant. Sorry, fan. I thought you're saying what archetype do I think? No, no, no. How yes, close do I, people I get feel to him? He's, he's yes, he's the archetypal father in the sense that he plays this uh, idealized role of what you want to be. I mean, like, oh man, my cousin died. I feel this affected by it. Or versus, oh, my dad died. I feel this affected by it. Or I, you know, my my second uncle. I don't know, man. I think some of these guys. I mean, I guess maybe your cousin, but like. I think people have second cousins that die and they don't cry. Like yeah, people yeah. that they're Well, close these people to. might not be representative of every Kobe Bryant. Henry likes no, my brother like Kobe Bryant. They're not. Didn't cry. They're not. But I'm, I'm just saying, th- that's why I'm saying these people. Because some people will just cry, right? Mm-hmm. Some people just, that's their go-to thing. But I'm saying these, take the people who cried. Not, not just Kobe Bryant fans. In this population, in this pie chart, not 100% of these people would cry if a neighbor died or if a non-nuclear family member were mm-hmm. to die that's all i'm saying like mm-hmm. they can be so upset about a celebrity death and less upset about the death of someone that they know mm-hmm. and certainly less upset than the death of a child that they don't know yeah i don't have a takeaway this isn't to say anyone's good or bad i just thought it was interesting that there are people who feel like they are raised by what they see on tv yeah you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. and I, I think i wonder if that is wrong of them <laughs> i'm not saying it is it's actually no, no, not no, a, no i don't mean like morally wrong like weren't they raised by by kobe Bryant in some significant way and maybe they aren't i mean the reason they wouldn't cry from the death of their neighbor is that they weren't close to their neighbor yeah, that's yeah. kind of my point is almost is i've talked about this before with it, it's very well accepted that community would make a human being happy that a close-knit community is not necessary for happiness but it contributes in a very positive way yeah and i think we're losing that and, and there's and no opportunity for Kobe to have can, an interaction. Exactly. Yeah. You can love Kobe with your heart and cry when he dies. And, and I am <clears throat> totally, I am not saying that that's bad. What I'm noticing is that he's not part of your community, though. He, he would not reach out to you. And so some people are going to comment and say, that's not true. I met him. Mm-hmm. Not everyone that was upset uh, has him as part of their community. Yeah. And that's the part that I think is, is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it just reminded me really of our lack of of connection with our neighbors or our lack of connection with all of our family. If you had kids, how much TV do you think you'd let them watch slash screen time? Never. I never put any thought to it. Yeah. I, I have heard that if you make, if you ban, let's say a kid only gets one hour of television a yeah, day yeah. from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., that the whole day becomes an anticipation of that 7 8 p.m so i don't think that's a good solution necessarily Mm -hmm. and to our point we just talked about you can't ban video games because they're (laughs) a crucial part of uh learning and they tell great stories and this and that so i don't know and i'm not saying this is bad it uh it makes me long for a community for myself and for other people i i think we have we always talk about this starvation is going down wealth is going up the amount of people that have high quality lives relative to the people a thousand years ago is astronomical. And we have tons of depression and suicidal people and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I guess I see that and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I attribute that to loneliness to some degree and a lack of connection as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer, but it just seems like everything is moving in the right direction socially, except for that. Do you think that it's possible to have an increased uh, standard of living as measured by GDP and, and items without having an increase in depression and suicide. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I mean at at the at the size of a society. You're saying do I do you, you're you're saying an hypothesis would be 
as food is more plentiful and people lose purpose in the sense that I'm not spending my day struggling to hunt, they have it creates idle time. time for me yeah. with which to be depressed. Maybe I think a cure for it would be community, though. I mm-hmm. think I think a cure. I think it's certainly seems like a hallmark of depression. Maybe not anxiety, but of depression and, and suicidalness <clears throat> is feeling lonely and disconnected and unloved. And like, there's so many people in the world, and you look on Instagram and they're all so happy. But yet for you, your friend won't pick up your call or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish that we had a more systemic way. I mean, so one of the things I'm going to start doing is um, focusing more on improving Charisma University because I think it's awesome, but could be improved. And I think there's an opportunity there to connect people who are in the course together. Mm-hmm. I think we can use technology to connect more and it's not currently being done excellently. And I think that's why people on so many forums are talking about how they're lonely and depressed and do you notice i mean i i notice this in in myself people don't seem to want i I know that they long for connection yeah but they don't seem to move towards it to want it there's opportunities meetup.com has existed for god knows how long yeah there's a lot not as as popular as youtube there's a lot of inertia in loneliness Mm -hmm. and what i mean by so inertia is this idea that once something is not moving it's hard to get it moving and also when it's moving, it's hard to stop. It. But that's less important for this. But yeah, I think when you're lonely, there is a lot of inertia to just stay alone, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this is true of depressed. I mean, I think any depressed person would vouch for this. You can have people giving you advice. You can know what might make you feel better, but you don't want to do it in the moment. And uh, let's, let's hop into uh, whatever you've got. Um, so currently it's illegal in 30 U.S. states to not tell your partner if you're about to have sex with HIV, but organizations like the Ohio Health Modernization Movement are looking to change that. So the current prevalent thought is that when you have sexual conduct, there are two parties to that conduct, and the other person has a right to know and has a right to be informed to the decision to engage in the sexual conduct. Mm-hmm. However, medical advancements have helped turn HIV from a fatal infection into a manageable chronic condition. And the Center for Disease Control recently announced that if people take antiretroviral drugs as prescribed, the amount of HIV in their blood becomes so undetectable that um, they actually have very little risk of passing the virus to a partner through sex and can live just normal lives with like the expected longevity. Mm. Um, so the organization says, a lot has happened since 1999 and lawmakers don't necessarily know that. And let's be honest, a lot of citizens you know who aren't lawmakers don't know the advances that have been made in science and the reasons that we believe and those are the reasons that we believe this law should be modernized meaning modernized would mean to make it not a criminal yes yeah, so act. it's not a criminal offense to just not tell people that I, I had a roller coaster sharing. ride on that on that story <laughs> right there at first i was like you have to be kidding me like this yeah, is right. you're signing someone up you're, you're basically just putting a slow moving bullet in their head you're saying you think it's crazy that it's only 30 states that, that say that it's so my first reaction was HIV is a slow it's you pulled the trigger and it's just moving slowly mm-hmm. at me and it's going to get me in it and if or just destroy the quality of my life. And then as he was describing, oh, do you have these things? You can take a, a pill. It, it won't kill you. Then I go, OK, let's pretend that it never kills anyone. Now you have what you could describe as herpes. Mm-hmm. And there's no laws against that you know there's no laws that say you have to disclose herpes and what this is one of the weirdest things that our laws don't have but i understand why you can lie with with rare exception 
uh, and not disclose things with rare exception that are important to people, with the exception of fraud. Just to be clear, I think some states do say that you have to say you have herpes. Do you really? I think so. Interesting. I, I think some states say that if you have an STD or an STI, you have to tell your partner. So this is the thing. This, the lines drawn around STDs are so silly because if you have a cold, that's an STD. If you don't yeah, think yeah. you can transmit a cold through sexual contact, you're insane. Uh, Wait, so how did your roller coaster ride end before we get into I don't this? know how it's ending. <laughs> I'm trying oh, to figure it. it out. So here's what it was. At first, I was staunchly like, only 30 states, it needs to be 50. You're killing people. Yeah. Then he goes and describes, okay, there's uh, this thing that you can get. Now, who knows access to it? Who knows how true? Let's just pretend for the sake of argument. It's actually, it's free if you... Uh if you go to the right company. So let's just pretend for this. This is the thing that I don't have HIV, but yeah. I, the, the same drug that you take that makes HIV basically a non-issue. Yeah. If you take it and you don't have HIV, it prevents HIV. Yeah. So I was kind of going through you this phase. Prep, where I was like, yeah. oh, I'm going to think about going to some sex parties and like doing some crazy orgy stuff. Like I'll go on prep and then I won't get HIV. And you can get it for free if you go through the right companies. But one in a thousand people gets really itchy. And that's me. So I just skipped the orgies and stopped taking it. So great story, by the way. <laughs> I remember that. You couldn't sleep for days. Days, dude. It doesn't get out of your system. So it stays in your like you, it's not like you take it and it, so you take it and it's in your system for like two days. So it took me three days to realize that my horrible ability to not sleep because I was in physical pain was from the pills. Yeah. Then I stopped. You still don't get to sleep for two days. So it's just like super fun oh, this is the best at least you don't have hiv right uh, yeah no but so so then i go okay if it is just a pill and you're managing a virus that won't kill you that is kind of what herpes is right it's a virus that will not kill you that you manage with retrovirals uh and we don't have laws against that so then oh, maybe we should treat it similarly if well, that why is the not case. just why not just have laws for all of it that say you you just disclose all of it like what I, if you have a cold and i don't disclose that i have a cold I don't know. Maybe you got to disclose that too. But I think HIV can kill you. So let's start with just what HIV. If you... For a second, forget herpes. HIV can kill you, right? Mm -hmm. If you so can a cold. Well, if you had a, let's say you knew you had something that was an insane flu, right? Like some sort of super bacteria yeah, thing. Just call the flu. The flu is the flu sucks. We'll call it worse than the flu. Okay. I just want to say Pneumonia. something that can kill you. I think you should. I think you should have to tell people that you have it. What if you think your pneumonia is the flu? Well, that's the thing. So, so if you have HIV, you know you have HIV. That's like one of the things we're we're assuming for the con for the for the argument's sake. You know you have it, right? Yeah. So, so if you knew you had something that was potentially deadly, I think you should disclose it, whether it's uh, sexually transmitted or high five transmitted oh, I, or whatever. And I just want to I know that you mean this, but morally, you should you should tell anybody when you have a cold or a herpes or a or an HIV. You should tell them morally. We're talking legally. Right. Yes, but I'm saying even legally, why not? Like this person's argument seems a little silly to me because they're going, well, why should I have to tell people that I have HIV? It's a non-issue. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, why don't you just tell them you have HIV, tell them you're on prep and explain to them it's a non-issue. And maybe some people won't want to sleep with you. Why should the government be involved in that? Public safety, because it can kill you. So the reason... Because um... if you don't know that you have it, you can die. Yeah, yeah, so so you were going to say something? The reason, yeah, the reason this article was specifically published was because of a story of a guy who uh, he told his girlfriend that he had HIV, and then later on she took him to court and said that he didn't. So it's basically his word against hers, but because mm -hmm. of the laws saying, like, you have to disclose it, they just ruled in favor of her. Uh, well, and they were unable to establish. Right. So, so this is the other thing, is that 
I even even leaving these ones, we don't know what happened out of it. The argument against having it be illegal is that well, okay, if you want to say that uh, this could kill you, under what I mean, sex can kill you. You could have a heart attack. You know what I mean? Do I have to disclose that to you? Like, uh, well, that's your own heart, and that's I mean. No, the question is, should the... No, this should, person might not know that, that, that you're so good that they could have a heart attack. I right? mean, who, who maybe, want, maybe you should legislate against is the food that led to that heart attack. Sure, sure. Maybe but, fast I mean, food should have the same warnings that cigarettes do. You can make arguments for, uh, for colds, for a fever, for... Uh, fever can kill you. Well, I, think, kill you. I, I, mean, I, I think I can actually, if we ask enough questions, get to a philosophically... Okay consistent rule sure because for instance i like that in the in california there are signs that say stuff can give you cancer mm-hmm. like if you go i go skateboard in our garage and in the garage it says there's there are diesel fumes burned here and it's an enclosed space the fumes here can give you cancer don't spend a lot of time in here cool i think that's a good sign mm-hmm. so to your heart attack point i think certain food i think soda should probably have some sort of warning on it that says this is pure sugar linked with diabetes and heart attacks and so I think similarly, like, if you have HIV, you should be like, my genitals have something that could kill you. And then you, if you, if, the, if, if not, the reason that, if what if the you reason, have a cold though? So, so the, if, if, if you're saying, if I have something that has a small chance of killing yeah. you, I must disclose it or face criminal charges. What if you have a cold? I mean, I think you should tell people when you have a cold if you're going to kiss them. I agree. The no, so morally, we're all on the same page. Tell, tell people if you think you're sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, legislating it. I mean, a cold isn't so much of a... It can't kill you, right? That's so it's actually not, what kills you when you have HIV. It's the cold. <laughs> it's not the HIV. Yeah, yeah. But it, <laughs> So what you're saying is you have to ask everyone what their immune strength is. <laughs> yeah. No, and, 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 then, and then should you have to tell them, okay, I had a cough. This, I coughed three times in the morning. I think I might have a cold, you know? Turns out it was it, it, it's clearly difficult. And uh, there was at one point where HIV was so far to the side where it was like so close to a death sentence in many years that it it just went, OK, we're going to mm. we're going to do this one. But what they're saying is, no, it's moving closer towards fever or it's moving closer towards. I guess the one thing I don't love about this is like your your this person is saying, I am going to make this decision for you because I'm going to say that I have this thing, but I'm on this pill, so it's pretty safe, which apparently yeah. it is. It's like, you know, one in a thousand people would yeah. would get it, 999 people of a thousand wouldn't. I'm going to make this decision for you because I think it's safe for you. And yeah. I just don't, I think, why, why not just tell them and let them decide if they're willing to take a 0.1% so you, you and I actually might agree. I think where we're getting caught is moral versus legal. So I 100% agree with you. That's messed up to go, you know what? I'm going to be paternalistic here. I know how safe this is. Don't you worry about it. Uh, yeah, that's wrong. Should the government be involved and criminalize that behavior? And mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that people can do that are wrong. That are, I mean, people lie. People can lie pretty much with impunity in social circles. Um, well, not if it hurts. Not if it causes like harm, right? If it costs you money, if they lie to steal from yes, you. Yes, yes. Money. They're... So money is a big one. Um, but there's actually this has been there's been weird cases where, uh, I mean, here's an example. I save to you. You know, I walk up to you in a New York City bar. I'm a strapping young gentleman. You're a young lady. I go, yeah, you know, I just got promoted at Goldman today. It's pretty it's pretty great there. You know, we talk all night about my dreams for the future, yeah, this, yeah. that. I take you back to this nice swanky apartment. You're, uh, we sleep together. And you find out that's my uncle's apartment. I'm a, I'm a 
the delivery boy. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you're unemployed. Done. You're unemployed. Yeah, yeah. I, and you would not have slept with me if not for that lie. There's, as far as I understand, there's no, there's no criminal recourse really? to that. I don't think, yeah. I think you are allowed. I mean, here's another one. Oh, yeah, babe, I definitely want a serious relationship. You're going to put every guy like that in jail? You know what I mean? <laughs> like... Sir, at the time. <laughs> it depends what the definition of serious is, yeah. Your Honor. No, you, uh, people, if you tried to stop people from lying, yeah. you'd have to put everyone in jail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so what we do is we enforce it morally and we shame those people and we say that's bad and this, this guy's an awful person. But we go, the legal system must rest in this case well i do wonder if it's an extent of harm right and i get it like obviously no one wants to be manipulated but there are degrees of life impact you know what i mean yeah and this is exactly the point that they're making there are degrees of life impact it used to impact your life to this degree and it has now fallen below the threshold upon which we need to criminally enforce it Mm -hmm. and and i think you would agree with me it's what's relevant is well how much is it is it point zero 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 one percent it gets transmitted and if it gets transmitted you know what I, like it's this and then it goes all right because in that case i got to tell everybody about every cough everything every mm. every everything that i think oh by the way here's my whole you know medical history and maybe one day <laughs> i'll be able to show you my apple thing yeah, yeah, you yeah. could scan it against yours and then we can have a nice algorithm that uh, goes flew four months ago huh <laughs> questionable yeah, no, I, I I see what you're saying though, because you're you're putting yourself reasonably in the position of someone who has not been told that they've just slept with someone. Yeah, like yeah. That, weirdly enough, that that's HIV. that's right where my mind goes in this yeah. scenario. I go, okay, I just had sex with someone, or I'm I'm on a date with someone, and they have HIV. Do I think they should tell me? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's <laughs> where course. my brain goes. Of course, um, of course, they definitely should. I agree with you. Yeah, your your point is that the the law and the involvement of the U.S. government is not the same as the morality that we would yeah want yeah no people people can lie man people that's kind of it's it's if you if you dig into it it makes sense the the understanding of it and why the legal system stays out but you really can lie about yeah, yeah. about a lot of stuff now selfishly have, i say get involved here government yes yeah, <laughs> yeah it, but it is it's a i guess what i felt was that it was a reasonable philosophical case that this person is putting forward no i get it i get the question i mean and it, separate from all this like i i it is remarkable how far they've come mm-hmm. with the fact that this medicine is, I don't know how it's free. It gets subsidized, I guess, from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But there's this basically free medicine that just makes it so that they can't even detect HIV that in your blood. Insane, like you have it. Not only do you not have symptoms, the blood test can't find it. So HIV AIDS was the boogeyman mm-hmm. when I was middle school high school only reason i didn't do intravenous drugs when i was a young child <laughs> it was just 10, like 11 years old it was like look you're not gonna get cancer because you're too young yeah. which of course isn't necessarily true because those things happen but like the one that can happen you know what i mean if you make the wrong decisions is hiv yeah yeah which is weird because i never knew anyone with hiv growing up but i did know kids that got cancer yep yeah which is i guess you can't really control cancer as much it's uh i think it's more just so you don't get like what you're told to be scared of and what you should be scared of don't line up same. yeah yeah but I agree. We got a lot of messages about how dangerous it is. And now was. it's it's like oh no, it's it's uh, you take a pill, which is great. Good job, science. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They can't cure it, but they just make it go into hiding. Like, which like is when you get uh, mono. Mm-hmm. Like I got mono. I have mono. That's a virus. It lives inside me. But Should just, you have to disclose? It just kills. <laughs> I would happily. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't care. Um, it's not contagious. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like you can't necessarily get mono from me because I'm not having a mono flare up. Mm-hmm. I think it's only contagious 
in the first time that you have it. Got it. Or if it, like, it did flare up when I got a concussion. Yeah. Uh, my body was terrifying because then I thought I had HIV because you get these, um, like your tonsils just go all white. Yeah, yeah. And I went insane Googling stuff and was like, oh, no, no, <laughs> WebMD says that it could. My doctor was like, dude, this is not what it looks like. I'm a doctor. I'm telling you. I was like, you have to test me. <laughs> you have to test me. This poor guy. He begrudgingly did. But yeah, he's just like, I hate WebMD. Uh, but it did flare up. And then in that moment, it would have been contagious. And I do think I would have had, I should have had to tell people if 100%. I was going to kiss you. Uh, oh, 100%, man. That's, that did not look fun. Yeah, yeah. I remember you spitting into a cup for weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, th- I would not be upset if there was a legislation that said that in that moment where I was contagious, that I had to tell people I had mono. I was like, mm-hmm. Seems reasonable. Yeah. I don't think you could have faked him out. <laughs> I literally had a cup. I couldn't swallow my own spit. <laughs> no, I'm fine. You look really pretty tonight. All right. I'm not that charismatic. What else do we have? Um, we can move on to fan questions. Sure. So the first one is from Isaac. Uh, he says, this is mainly addressed to Charlie. And okay. from my understanding, you apply the idea of autonomy to yourself and the idea of determinism to others. Do you reconcile the idea of a conscious and personal responsibility slash control, such as mentioned in Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, with your deterministic beliefs? And if so, what mindset do you carry to account for both? Mm. So, uh, I I actually think the first question, determinism for others, accountability for me, is more of you. It is, yeah. (laughs) Right? That's more you. I'm more like determinist. Across the board. Across the board. Charlie forgives himself. For, he has no autonomy <laughs> for everything matter. before I even do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so be helped. So this is uh, this is a great question because what it kind of exposes in me and I think in people is the different kind of like layers of the human mind. I would say for ninety eight percent of my experience, I feel as if I have conscious control, mm-hmm. free will in the way that everyone else conceives of it, and that's my sense of it right that's how i go through my day and that's the language that i will use when i speak to my friends what should we do what do we want to do i don't really want to do that no we can't let that happen you know like i i that's how i you act like you're talk in control. and feel and at no point in my brain am i going but that's not like it's that's what it seems to me but when i sit down and think about it deeply i always come back to this deterministic worldview so how do they fit together uh well the good news is it doesn't matter what I think if determinism is ultimately true because all of those thoughts were just deterministic. You know, me me acting out my own illusion of free will. So that's kind of what I think is happening. Uh, and sorry, there was, this, there was the last bit of the question, six pillars of self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So do you reconcile the idea of a conscious and personal responsibility slash control such as mentioned in the six pillars of self-esteem? Mm. So, yeah, so I actually, one of the most useful models that I've found to bring together these different, completely opposite feelings that I have, which is on the one hand, you need to assume, self-esteem is all about assuming responsibility for your life. And on the other hand, I, we live in a deterministic universe. Like, how do those coalesce? Is uh, there's models of ego development. There's spiral dynamics. They, they go by different names. But the basic arc of these is that you start out as an infant and you're almost undifferentiated from your environment in fact whatever consciousness is there in the womb is just like everything is one and then you come out of the world and you're you're forming a self you grow up you become a teenager you try on these different identities but you don't have a strong sense of self friends encourage you to smoke so you smoke you know and at some point if you're fortunate in your 20s you like you get a sense and by 30 you have a 
you know, this is who I am. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. For some people. For some people. And, and these, are, these are the ages really that were my life. I'm not saying that your life needs to follow these exact things. Uh, in that first arc, it's all about personal responsibility, independence, uh, and, and acting as if free will is the rule of the universe. And, and that will take you very far and improve your life. And then I actually think you get to a point, which is where I would say that I feel that I'm currently sort of experimenting with and exploring, where it's dissolving that self that you've made and recognizing in many ways that you are not as separate as you had pretended to be from your environment, from other people. That That the self that you're talking about is in fact a construction, which means that free will, which you thought you, you know, this was myself acting freely in a world that is separate from me doesn't totally hold up and isn't tenable. So what I would say is in different aspects of my daily life, I probably approach it from the free will perspective, in fact, in most aspects. But as I think as I get older, you'll hear me say things about myself that are more, ah, let it be, <laughs> you know, like allow it to happen, surrender. All of these things are concepts that in my 20s, I mean, we were so adamantly against the concept of like be yourself or surrender. Yeah, so, yeah. No, choose yourself. Choose yourself. Go out. Struggle against the world that's trying to hold you yeah, back. Yeah. And Don't be yourself. Choose yourself. Exactly. And it was perfect. Perfect. I wouldn't change it uh, for that time period. But as I get older, for me, it's more determinism. But if somebody comes to me and they're an 18-year-old and they don't know who they are yet, I'm going to go read Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Yeah, yeah. Anything that you want to? I know that was. Yeah, I me. say I say I say the same thing every time, which is it just depends what your goal is. Mm-hmm. So let's pretend your goal is to be happy. For your be yourself, choose yourself. Are you happy? Awesome. Be yourself. Are you unhappy? I have great news for you. You don't have to just be yourself. <laughs> you can choose yourself. Yeah. You want to be someone who has more friends. You can be more charismatic. You can start doing blah 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 blah. Right. And so my question is always just, what's your goal? Your goal is to be enlightened. Cool. Do you feel like you're being enlightened? Okay, well, then you should just go meditate. I don't care if that's determinist that uh, when the Big Bang happened, it was fate that I was going to tell you this or if we're two autonomous beings. If you want to be enlightened, you have to meditate. So go meditate. So yeah, mine is more just like, what are you aiming for? Okay, cool. Act accordingly. And if you're achieving everything that you're aiming for, keep doing your thing. And if you're unhappy with the results of your life, then adjust your actions. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Very sophisticated question. I appreciate <clears throat> it. Next is from Ishan. Um, very, <laughs> oh. yeah, very, very open question. Um, he says, how do I make up with my friend who stopped being friends with me because I dated his ex? <laughs> oh man. Want to clarify. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part. That's why I laughed. Cause I saw it just asking for a friend. How do I, uh, how does one so i i mean it says dated or hooked up with dated so so they had an ex-girlfriend and you're dated or dating past? dating you're or, dating i guess it's in the past dating uh, it sounds like it's dating. in the past well, that's gonna be easier honestly yeah. that's easier to reconcile sure so it sounds like so here's what i would sit down and and start with is uh start with on an honest uh, post-mortem of yep. what happened and where i suspect you have to wind up at is you were so excited lonely and desirous that you maybe jealous com- when they were dating jealous whatever it is that you completely ignored what would be good for your friend in your decision to date their ex that you uh did not care 
if you hurt them, if it made you happy, because you were so excited, desirous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, and maybe you feel terrible about that, and maybe you don't. But you're going to need to come. You're going to need a, a low ego moment here where you get honest about your emotions. Ask yourself how what thoughts about your friend's well-being went through your head when you made these early stage decisions to date his ex. And and the only thing I. I I don't know what culture you necessarily come from, but it's in, I don't know any where it'd be like, oh, it didn't even occur to me that it would upset him. Like, wh- what it probably was, is, oh, I knew this would be terrible for him. And uh, yeah, I didn't care. I wanted what I wanted so badly mm-hmm. that I didn't care. So if that's the because case. Because of something, loneliness, insecurity, yeah. uh, desire, lust, whatever it is. But I, I would identify that too. And here's the other tough thing. Now that you're out of this relationship, ask yourself why you've waited till now to try to reconcile with your friend. And I think what you may find is that it's the same exact selfish motivator that led you to date his ex in the first place, which is, I'm lonely <laughs> and I need someone now. Or, yeah, or maybe at the time you felt massive guilt and you just didn't want to deal with confronting Your friend, it. your friend, not you. Sorry. <laughs> your friend. You know, maybe your friend felt massive guilt and didn't want to confront it. And sure. so it was easier to just... Ignore it. You didn't yeah. want to rip the Band-Aid off. You didn't want to have that hard conversation. So out of guilt and those other negative emotions, you went, I'm going to go ostrich on this. Put my head in the sand. And mm-hmm. and then ask yourself, honestly, given the chance to improve my own circumstances at the cost of what I, at the cost of my friend's experience and what I would like my friend to do to me, situations reversed, have I learned a lesson or would I make a similar decision in the future? Now, very basic. Would you ever date this friend's ex, a different ex again? If you And be honest. And it might be, you might be compelled to say, no, of course not. But like, ask yourself. You're sitting there. He's got this beautiful girl. They've been dating for eight months. They split up. She really says she likes you. And wants, are, do you have, have you internalized anything that's, that's made you change? Uh, there's a business opportunity. You need to undercut your friend in order to get it. Have, have what have you learned about the value of this friendship? And don't don't go with what you think you're supposed to. Have yeah, learned. yeah. Don't and pretend the person, that yeah. you are someone you're not. This is so. This is all just honest self reflection. This is for you. Yeah, this is truly for you. Because what you're going to do then is take this honest self reflection and then say it mm-hmm. to your friend. Yep. Uh, and what you might come to is, I don't deserve to be your friend because I'd stab you in the back again. Given <laughs> given two two seconds to do it uh and then maybe you just keep that to yourself for a while uh or you can even go to them and tell them be like yeah i'm completely untrustworthy and if you want to associate with me knowing that but the the more important than what you say to him is this period of reflection um so i don't even want to get to what you say to him just really sit down and ask yourself these kinds of questions any other questions that you would ask in this well i do i was going to get to what to say yeah yeah, i'd be before i'm just curious if you have any okay well go ahead so yeah, then what I would say is you do you you get to, with the friend and you have an honest, emotionally vulnerable conversation where you don't try to excuse what you did, you don't try to make yourself the good guy. You think, don't try to persuade. Yeah, I think that's that the other thing. The You're, only thing you can do here is is kind of confess your sins, mm-hmm. just to say if you do feel badly to go. Listen, man, I fucked up, and at the time I was really jealous of you, and I was really lonely, and I did a very selfish thing that I feel very bad about now. And I regret it. I wish I hadn't done it. And I would like to see if we can have a friendship again. Um, I mean, even start by like asking your forgiveness. Yeah, you know? sure. Like, 
Sure. Yeah. I want, I want it. And, and, and say like this is, and I'm not excusing it. I'm just explaining where I was and it is inexcusable. And I would just have a, uh, honest, vulnerable conversation where you come out and you, sh- you show where you were mentally that led you there and you admit that, that that's not an excuse. It doesn't justify it, you know? Mm. And I, I would, cause I think the, the thing that won't work is trying to minimize what you did, trying to make yourself out to be not the bad guy, trying to explain she why it's her fault. She liked me. To, yeah. That's not going to get you there. The only yeah. thing that might get you there is if he goes, okay, it sucked, but I appreciate your honesty here. And I get that you were in a bad place or whatever it is. And it looks like you've learned something and I'm seeing genuine regret. That's, that's your only path forward, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and at some point, this person not only needs to forgive you, but they need to be able to trust reasonably that you're not going to stab them in the back again. And quite frankly, few people in their lives have probably, I'm not saying you, your friend, betrayed them in such an intimate way. Which or is, you have a friend group that doesn't care. Or you but have a friend group that be, doesn't care. But then you wouldn't be asking this question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are, I just want to clarify, there are groups, everybody hooks up with everybody's ex, no one cares, mm-hmm. and then you wouldn't have to have this emotionally charged yeah. conversation and you wouldn't have to promise not to do it again but they would be hooking up with your ex at mm-hmm. the same time and mm-hmm. you'd be and like this happens too and it's not wrong but i'm just judging it by the question itself, yeah i'm presuming this is this is a betrayal a i had a friend date my ex i <laughs> thought it was great because it freed me from yeah <laughs> it was a terrible relationship yeah, yeah, yeah i didn't notice at the time we were in high school she was bipolar it led to a bunch of terribleness oh I, you had another friend i thought i thought you were talking about a different ex. oh no well, separate things so then i had another i have i listen i date wonderful women my friends see that and they get interested no there's another one i broke up with this woman she wanted to get married i felt really guilty that um i didn't feel the same she dated a friend and i was like great now she has another chance so Maybe he doesn't care at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, I'm just basing it on the question that he does. Because those guys didn't have... They, the one guy called me and I was just like, yeah, we don't have to have this conversation. Yeah. I think it's great. You're all good. Uh, I demand to be invited to the wedding. Yeah. Was, um, so, yeah. So, the, our, our serious, somber tone in answering is only based on what we're picking up from the question. But yeah. there are definitely friends that wouldn't care. And then you wouldn't... This conversation would be very easy. Mm-hmm. Cool. I think that's it. Okay, last one um, is from Anonymous, and they say, I have been trying to work on myself and find what I am lacking within myself in light of a recent relationship ending. I have been reading and watching videos, mostly yours like crazy, over the past month, and I've started to feel better and get to know myself more through it. However, my desire to improve as fast as possible leads me to feel like I have too much to think about, and I am afraid I might end up more confused than before I started self-improving. Do you think a person can overindulge in self-help or take in too much information in too little time and end up worse because you can't focus on one thing at a time. I feel like I'm thinking too much about what I should be doing slash feeling. P.S. I have not started just because of the relationship ending, but because I have been feeling like my life was lacking even before this. I'm 19 years old and in college. Great. Yeah, no, I mean, you nailed it. Your intuition is dead on that. uh, Here's the good news. I'm glad that you said your age because this is something I have to remind myself at 32, 13 years older than you, is that there's, if I'm fortunate so much time like this the rush that i know that you probably feel to get out of this uncomfortable situation of post breakup and into the type of person that this could never happen to again right i get that i've i've lived it and i still need to tell myself slow down there's so much time uh what your challenge is and mine to this day is in integrating what you Mm -hmm. know and when i say integrating I mean, making all of the things that you have cognitively read and perhaps could recite and get on a test, because that's what learning has been to you if you've been in the school system up until now, 
getting them into your body such that, for instance, if you're learning charisma, it's one thing to know, oh, like, let me tell you about how to make good eye contact. And like, here are the five keys to a story versus consistently telling stories that, yeah. that show those five elements. No, and just to be clear, I do not think binge watching our channel is the best way to become no, charismatic. No, no, no. In fact, when you go, if you were to join Charisma University or see inside it, it is not multi-hour days that lay out 10 things to do that day. It's 20 to 30 minutes, one thing to focus on for the day. And often I even suggest do the week on Amazing First Impressions and then come back to it and do it again. It, mm -hmm. It's the how to improve yourself is not 80% watching videos, 20% putting into life. It's 10% mm -hmm. trying to figure out areas that you can improve, 90% turning those into habits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that making sense? Yeah, 100%. And so, yeah, so I think you're dead on that if you binge watch every Chris on Command video and every Alpha M video and every whatever else, that you will feel overwhelmed because you're consuming too much such that it's actually impossible to implement it all at once yeah. because you can't focus that much, right? So instead, like just for a Charisma University, you'd have a day where all you focused on was touching people in a way that made you feel connected. Sure. You wouldn't have to worry about your eye contact or what you said. You just have your normal conversations with no pressure to make them better but with the one focus on the certain elements of touching in a certain way. And you, if, if you're not in a program because you're 19 and maybe you don't have the money to invest, I would suggest set that up for yourself. So instead of watching 100 videos, pick the one thing. Is fitness your thing? Is charisma your thing? Is money your thing? And then within that, go, okay, charisma is going to be my thing. All I'm going to worry about is making my friends laugh more because I want to be funny and I want to make people uh, smile. And I'm going to watch one or two videos about how to be funnier and I'm going to stop <laughs> and I'm going to just focus on implementing some of the stuff that I learned. Yeah. And even then, I mean, if you think the gym is a great thing because if you, you can overtrain in the gym and you can yeah. kill your gains, like you need rest, mm -hmm. not only in a given day. So when you're learning charisma, what I tell people is pick a time of day that starts and stops and you, you are consciously thinking, okay, I'm going to do this thing in this period. But once you get to the end of that, stop. And if you find yourself going, oh, I need to do this, go, I'm done for the day. Yeah. I lifted. I did and it. If you want <laughs> to, if you find yourself in a conversation, you're focusing on being funny and you want to tell another joke. Sure. But there's, tell, no, yeah, tell the there's no pressure. There's no self-flagellation if yes. you don't. There's this one thing. Uh, we're, we're extreme. We like to put money on the line where it's like, I'm going to pay someone $100 or I'm going to burn $100 if I don't do this thing. And then once that's done, everything else is just bonus. Sure. And what I hear in your question that, I'm, that I assume is... So you've got the pain of this breakup, and there's two reasons that you're watching the videos. One is to get better, but the second is to distract yourself. And if you want to watch our videos to distract yourself, by all means, go ahead. But but don't feel that you need to implement everything that you're doing. Uh, and and similarly, don't feel that playing basketball with friends is a worse use of your time because you can only learn and integrate so much in a time period. Yeah, and once I was you've done gonna... that, you've hit your cap, and you go, you know what? What I need now is distraction. Go to the Witcher. Just as good. Go to yeah, the Witcher. Yeah. No, it's better. I, I truly, I think this. Like, watch a couple videos, find something that resonates with you that you want to work on, and then, like, separate your your time and just admit what you're doing to yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is distraction time. Cool. I'm going to go to a bar and talk to girls because they temporarily remove the pain of missing my ex. <laughs> All right, cool. Just be honest about it, yeah. and then go do it. Um, yeah, I, I actually think it's something that a lot of people deal with. You're not alone. A lot of people try to binge improve stuff get overwhelmed and then just give up completely so so you're you're right in line with that and it's that's not how we're meant to learn things especially things that are 
meant to be habitual. Yeah. One thing that I will say is that at 19, you're, you're a college student. I do think that you can have a handful of buckets in your life at this time. And so what I see that, that has been really excellent for 19-year-old guys is fitness being a part of it, meaning mm-hmm. like you're going to the gym, you feel cool, you feel more handsome. So that's something you can do with for 45 minutes a day, and, mm-hmm. and that's great. In addition to that, you can have one social goal a day, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, what, at this point in my college thing, I'm going to go in, I'm going to introduce myself to these people with a handshake. That's done for the day. If you want to uh, meet people in a closed circle, by the way, like college, hey, I don't think I've met you yet. I'm Ben. <laughs> Single best way I've ever found to start a conversation at a yeah. college party or college bar. Mm-hmm. And then you've got what I would say is a grab bag. So you've obviously, you know, you got your studies, but let's say that you join the Latin dancing club and they meet twice a week. You go, you know, you schedule in your calendar. I'm going to go, I'm going to, in the end of six months, I will know a bit of salsa dancing because I'm going to these classes, right? You show up there. And then of course, last you have, not last, in there probably is a large portion of time. You have your academics and all of the things that you're forced to do for, for university, which includes going to class as well as studying and doing your work. That should be along with eating and socializing which will happen naturally a pretty full day and an excellent amount of self-improvement at your age dude i've gone harder at learning charisma than i think anyone you could only tie me right Mm -hmm. but even at my most obsessed in a given day i would only think about one or two things Mm -hmm. and so i'd wake up and i'd be like today is going to be how to start a conversation day Mm -hmm. and if i start 10 conversations and they all go terribly but i start them all i get an a plus well you were doing 10 and i wouldn't even recommend no me i'm saying though i'm saying i was crazy i was obsessed with learning charisma and even even then what i would do is i'd go really hard at one to two things i wouldn't try to be like okay because i'm going to dedicate five hours to this i'm going to do 50 different things i was just like i'm going to nail starting a conversation with strangers and then tomorrow maybe if i manage to nail that because i just obsessed with it for five hours and i go get a hundred reps i'll worry about how to make the next two minutes of the conversation good but i'm saying that even if even if charisma is your number one thing you still focus on one thing you just spend more time on it and then by the way even if you spend five hours on it you still have 11 hours with which you should go to the gym, see friends, focus on your studies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's okay to f- focus on multiple different areas to self-improve. But within our specific one of charisma, you really, even when you're going hard at it, your best bet is just to perfect one thing and then move on to the next thing. Cool. Good stuff. Is that it? Yep. Dope. Have a wonderful, oh, wonderful day, everyone. No podcast releasing on Friday. But we'll be releasing some clips on our YouTube channel throughout the week. And then we'll, next full episode will be next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific. Cool. Later, people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.